Thanks for joining me on episode 14 of the Therapy Explained podcast. I'm joined by Dr. Melanie Lee of Trust Psychology as we discuss cognitive analytic therapy, otherwise known as CAT. Mel talks through the history of CAT, how it balances structure and flexibility, the importance of the therapeutic relationship, endings in therapy, and where CAT fits alongside EMDR and IFS in her own practice. To help spread the word, please don't forget to review, rate and follow. Hi there, welcome to a brand new episode of the Therapy Explained podcast. Today I'm joined by Dr. Melanie Lee, clinical psychologist specialising in CAT, EMDR and IFS. Mel is the Managing Director of Trust Psychology, which offers a psychological service in the North East England and is also the Director of the Multidisciplinary Trust Pain Management Team. Hi Mel, thanks for joining me today. Hi James, thanks very much for the invite, it's good to talk to you. As we've touched upon already, Mel, you are trained in multiple modalities, but for this course of today, we're going to focus on CAT, otherwise known as uh, Cognitive Analytical Therapy. If you wanted to start, Mel, by, if you wouldn't mind explaining what Cognitive Analytical Therapy is. Yes, absolutely, James. So, um... Not many people have heard of CAT above other therapies, but I find it an absolutely wonderful modality. Um, So it stands for Cognitive Analytic Therapy, or CAT, and it's an integrative psychotherapy which works on the principle that we integrate both cognitive understandings of psychological well-being and distress and analytic understandings. So it's a time-limited psychotherapy, which is a very um, important part of the work too, which we can go into later. But it's collaborative, it's um, focused and time-limited, but the, the most, I think, defining feature is its relational focus and the idea that we're looking at repeating relationship patterns as the core of the work and the underlying theory being that the vast majority of our emotional difficulties and psychological problems in life are down to unresolved, unrevised, repeating relationship patterns that are out of our awareness. It sounds like uh, so much of it is based on those relationships that we would have generated at a younger age and how they're almost become internalized and then they're maintained by the current experience of those roles in the present. Absolutely yeah you've you've really got it in how you've described that there that if we only look at our here and now difficulties in the current context we're missing a huge opportunity to understand where they've originated from and by focusing on that we're able then to offer new understandings and opportunities for revision in the here and now through that understanding because the sort of the tagline on the um, ACAT the Association for Cognitive Analytic Therapy website is understanding leads to change that if we understand why it is that we're in these patterns and what they look like how we recognize them where they've come from we're in a hugely better position to be able to revise them for future choices and opportunities so from my experience in both delivering cat but receiving it as well because part of the training is that you undergo your own personal cat therapy is that it's really offers sustainable longer term change because that understanding is there at very deep heartfelt level. 
Um, I recently did an episode with uh, Dr. Sarah Thompson from Ireland who specialises in schema therapy and it sounds similar in some ways where it's combined cognitive therapy with analytical therapy because I think that was the foundation to schema therapy. It was, uh, I can't think of his name right now, but he had trained in cognitive therapy and he felt like it was missing that developmental aspect. So there's a real overlap there between schema therapy and cat therapy, although the foundations were quite different um, for cat therapy. Would you mind just giving us a little bit of background on cat therapy and how that was developed? Yes, um, absolutely. And um, I'm um, aware of schema therapy to some degree. And is it um, Jeff Young, the person you That's were? right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm not trained in it. So I've, I'm, I've, I'm aware of some of the core principles. And um, yes, there, there'll be absolute overlaps. And one of the the really distinctive features of CAT compared to some of the other therapeutic approaches, especially those that have been more um, coming out of the cognitive um, domain and those cognitive theories, is the continual focus on the therapy relationship and that being a named focus part of every session and the interaction that you're doing. Um, So the the history of it came from um, some discoveries in London really the the main proponent being Dr Tony Ryle who in the 1960s was trained in um, some psychoanalytic approaches himself he was a GP working in London very interested in psychotherapies and had a um, a a slant to understanding um, and looking at the research as to why people did not get better from psychotherapies at that time. And through some research where he looked at detailed psychotherapy notes of people that had got better and hadn't got better, he recognised that there, which was a huge sort of move forward at the time, that there's something about those that were able to see improvements in psychotherapy were able to revise unhelpful patterns that they were now aware of and those that didn't improve seem to continue even though they might have experienced some gains fundamentally still remain stuck fundamentally we're still in the same cyclical patterns and of course at that point in time in the 60s and 70s cognitive theory was really emerging and Beck's work was happening so there was this huge move away from the analytic tradition towards the cognitive tradition um, and understanding an emphasis on the roles of thought processes and the intrapersonal experiences as how we perhaps were maintaining distress through how we were behaving and approaching things cognitively um, and by coming up with the model of what were the patterns that people were not able to revise. Um, Tony Ryle articulated this in the mid-80s into the 90s um, through his identification of the procedural sequence model. So he, he, he identified there seems to be categories of repeating problems from a cognitive perspective and he called these at the time traps, snags and dilemmas and we can go into detail if we want to on exactly what those are but effectively they're um, repeating patterns in how we approach um, the actions that we take in life and what the consequences of that are so this happens, this happens and then I end up in the same problem as I was in before 
But because of his analytic background, he was really able to draw on the knowledge at the time that was coming out of a lot of Russian thinkers. He was very influenced by Vygotsky, who um, may be a familiar name for people that have studied psychology before in learning theory and the idea of zone of proximal development and that we need another to scaffold our learning. So something very core about needing the, the therapist in the room with the client to be able to create not just the contained safe space, but a language and an understanding where you can then move on to the next level of understanding and learning through the interaction with the other. And also the work of Lehman and Bact um, Bactin looking at the, the importance of social formation of mind and dialogue, the way that we actually discover who we are as a psychological being through our interactions and the, the narratives of our lives, the stories, the dialogues. Um, and of course, around about that same time, there was a huge amount of work happening in inf infant observational studies and developmental psychology was very popular. So taking all of these ideas together, um, Tony Ryle recognised that there's something in the integration of the cognitive, these new understandings and the analytic together but in a way that was much more accessible than his experience of traditional psychoanalytic therapy. So it was time limited. It was possible to, to offer it within the NHS setting at St. Thomas's in London. And they found that their clients responded very well, particularly clients with very complex difficulties in the areas of eating disorders and personality disorders. We were seeing real change due to the, the, the difference in the emphasis of the approach. So I know I've said quite a lot there, James, so do please pause me or pick up on anything that you're wanting to ask more about. Uh, just on that last point that you said, I guess to kind of summarise what you said to a degree, yeah, Mel, um, you know, he seems like a, a genius in some ways, I suppose, <laughs> as well as uh, yeah. it sounds like he, he did have a bit of support with him, but how he managed to sim synthesise so many ideas um, to understand them and then to form something new, but while also being able to create something that was uh, amicable for the, uh, to be delivered in the NHS, so being time limited. It sounds like it's maybe somewhat manualized, you know, which is so important for um, when it comes to researching our evidence-based therapies. Uh, is that right? Would it have a manualized approach? Well, it's a very interesting question because on the one hand, it is absolutely structured and it absolutely has um, core elements to CAT that would enable you to say, I'm practicing CAT with this client or I'm a CAT therapist. However, I I have a strong visceral reaction when you talk about manualized therapies. So, cause I would not include CAT in that at all. It is very um, creative and explorative and collaborative and very much depends on the needs of the client at the time. But the way I like to think about it is CAT offers a very, um, helpful and useful framework and and holding f structure for the therapist and the client together so the 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 integration as you said Ryle's genius of being able to bring together and synthesize these ideas but in a very um collaborative way that was emphasizing the individual difference of therapist and client as well that you can play with these ideas once you've got the contained framework 
So we can talk through what elements of CAT are needed for that structure and to say this is absolutely the focus. But once that structure's in place, you've got a huge amount of freedom and leeway into how that's delivered, particularly in the middle sections of the CAT um, therapy experience, where because you're... It, the way I like to think about it is the, the integration of the art and science of therapy, what you're talking about with the manualization and the evidence base and the theoretical development is needed, of course it is, for scientific progress and to make links and to be able to give us some strong evidence that what we're doing makes um, a difference and we're, we're applying rigour to that. However, um, as we all know, when we're in the therapy room, there's a huge amount of art to therapy. There's a huge amount of dancing and um, connecting and being in a very real, very human relationship with another fully embodied individual that you cannot separate out fully the the. the professionalism of that what I mean is we're not blank therapists are we we've got our own um, experiences and roles that we bring um, so the what I find CAT offers me that it doesn't that I don't get from other therapeutic modalities is this confidence and being able to and we know where we're going but we've got huge amounts of flexibility regarding what this person needs on this particular moment at this particular time um, to move forward in their understanding. So yeah, many lies mightn't be the, the right word for that, although it certainly has the structure that you know we are working from, although you're given the, the artistic freedom to work with what's in the room at the time. Exactly, mm. exactly. You, Which is also the unique selling point, I guess, of CAT is the, how much it tends to the, the relationship and what's going on at that time. Yes, and and don't we all know that the that, that is such an important feature? And we know from all of the research studies that it's the relationship that makes the biggest difference. But what Kat does in how Ryle and all of his colleagues have articulated um, the theory and the, the process and procedures of Kat is to be able to give confidence to the therapist and actually how you use that relationship, what aspects of self you can bring in. So we can go into a bit more detail if you'd like now into sort of how that how that looks yeah, if we could um because my experience of receiving cat and what i hear regularly from clients is it's just a wonderfully nurturing therapy in that you you get to the heart of things quickly because the the truth is that the the past influences the present so we by by making that explicit in the room but seeing how that offers choices for the future as well um, means that people that have had long enduring problems have real opportunities for change that haven't previously been thought possible because people often come to CAT having had unsatisfying experiences with other therapeutic approaches. Um, so in um, the, the way that CAT developed uh, particularly from the 90s onwards was to offer it as a 16 session model going up to 24 plus sessions if it was for um, more complex cases as well and within those 16 sessions you have a number of phases that you work through and um, they are reformulation recognition 
and revision. So the three R's, and that's all within the time limits, um, knowing that you've got um, the 16 sessions, that will be your ending point with a, with a follow-up period as part of that too. So the three month follow-up. And the aim of reformulation is to take somebody's understanding of their situation and their life story and take a new understanding of it through um, hearing the, the client explain what's been happening for them and when they, where they feel very stuck. And the therapist the whole time is listening out for these repeating relationship patterns and this core concept in CAT of reciprocal roles which is how in a relationship, what roles we take and what we expect the other to do and how we then respond to people. So for example, if I was raised in a home environment where there was a lot of control or coercion happening, I wasn't given much choice in my decision making, I was sort of influenced in that way I might experience others as being very controlling towards me and I'm left in quite a controlled place and then I will internalize that as you spoke to earlier and take that with me throughout my life so I'll be quite controlled perhaps in my um, self-management of the way that I think and manage my life I might inadvertently be quite controlling of my own family or children and there'll be some aspects of this I'll be aware of but a huge amount I won't and as if that is named in the therapy early on you can have it visually mapped out in front of you in a controlling to controlled reciprocal role which effectively is words on paper with arrows there's a, a fabulous book by Steve Potter called Therapy with a Map where he talks through this mapping process in a lot of detail and the huge benefit in therapy of having this visual representation of your patterns as you're understanding them together with your therapist. So the reformulation early stage of CATS is getting to know one another, building that relationship, but starting to name these repeating relationship patterns through hearing the person's story and what their memories of early life was, what key moments in their in their um, experiences have been mapping that out together and noticing how that influences the here and now, particularly how the, the therapist feels with the client and the client feels with the therapist. That is all talk-aboutable, which is a lovely phrase I love from Kat. Anything is able to be named and that offers so much to being able to understand what's happening between two people. I wonder if that happens to come up as part of the dialogue maybe you've recognized it beforehand but um if this is a pattern that they might be uh, it might be a habit for them if you if they start to notice the coming up uh, as part of the conversation or even if you might bring it up um, is that is that something that happens commonly in cat where you might name it happening as part of the, com the discussion you're having absolutely um you've got the 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 structure of CAT, that understanding that the past influences the present and the importance of the therapy, um, the therapist self and using you as a core tool in the work um, means that you are 
naming everything that you notice between you. And you don't have to know as a therapist or a client where that conversation's necessarily taking you to, what the conclusion of it is. There's a beautiful curiosity throughout CAT where you can just say, oh, I noticed in that moment when you said that, I, I felt really deeply sad. I wonder what that's about. Or I noticed when you were telling me about this aspect of your schooling experience. We then went straight on to talking about something else. That was interesting. And bringing this curiosity in and seeing how the the, the patterns are showing themselves up in the room, you are then able to get this absolutely incredible ability to capture a huge amount of complex information in quite concise language. And the the tools that CAT utilises um, really help the create that structure and offer that containing support to both the client and the therapist in the room. So you've got the map that we were hinting at here, this visual representation, there's always paper and pens between you and anything that you notice and name, you can just put on paper as a curious place. So it feels like we've got these reciprocal roles coming out. But then um, by, if we're talking from roughly a 16 session model, by about session four, session five, there'll be enough of a discussion about the person's um, reasons for coming to therapy, their history, what's happening between you in the room, to be able to capture that understanding in the form of a CAT reformulation letter. So um, the cat therapist will then, about session five, session six, suggest writing to the client. And in that letter, we aim to capture the reasons for coming for therapy. But then what we've named between us is key um, repeating relationship patterns that we already have felt between us or picked up from hearing about your life experiences. And there are tools that help with that too. There's a psychotherapy file, which is an eight page document that therapists can use if they like to, which asks about common patterns people can experience in life. And the, the client can go away and complete that and bring it back. And that can lead to further dialogue and discussion. But I regularly ask people to do a timeline of their life and a genogram as well of just a family tree, who's important in your life, what are the important relationships in the past and how does this kind of feel like that's repeating between us and once that letter has been shared um, the client often feels that there's um, a clarity to what they're here to do now and whilst we've collected quite a lot of information by that point there'll be two or three key therapy tasks at that time that can be identified and a key target problem that we're working on that then can be the focus for the remaining middle section of the work which is this recognition phase leading into the revision and ending phase by session 16. Mm. And so in what way does the recognition build on from that what are the next steps that you take? So if, if you can imagine receiving this letter which describes your life, it's a very powerful moment in the work and often I felt it myself in my own personal therapy but the, the feedback we often get from clients is you've really got me, this like you, 
this is me. This this is more than just a series of behaviours that I do or thought processes that I have. Like you've captured the felt sense of what it was like for me to live my life in my family growing up, in my work environment, in my home environment and the problems I'm having now. So there will hopefully be a lot of resonance at that point. And from that letter onwards, you're completing your visual map or what was traditionally called by Tony Ryle as the sequential reformulation diagram, SDR. But that's a very big mouthful, isn't it? So we much prefer map because map has... Um, as I was describing earlier, so words and arrows on it. When it seems then, like when you get into a dispute at work, this happens, then this happens, and you're left feeling as you did when you were little, when you were bullied at school, perhaps might be a, sort of a, a common feature that will come out. And that then leads you to take this next action, which unfortunately leads to another repeating pattern. So what options do we have? And the recognition phase is so important where you have the, the map between you at all times, but this ongoing dialogue that unfolds between, is this, oh my gosh, is this pattern just happening between us right now? Where are we on the map? So every session following that reformulation phase, the client can come in, talk about what's happened in their week, talk about a particular feature of the focus of the work, and we'll be looking at the map saying, where are we? Where did you go then? What options do you have? How's this repeating between us right now? And I find that that recognition takes place at a number of levels. You hope that it happens at a kind of cognitive level where we understand things differently. But as you've picked up on a lot of your previous episodes, James, when we talk about the integration of mind and body, feeling it at the body level, the somatic experience of it is so important. So I find when recognition happens at a felt level, like in my gut, I know what's happening here. Oh, here I go again. I've been caught in that same pattern. Um, once people recognize that and really feel it, and that can take time, um, some of it happens quicker than other recognition points, then what's fascinating is that the revision can happen quite spontaneously at times. Sometimes it does need therapeutic support. I've offered people, say, um, understanding of communication styles or assertiveness techniques where you can bring in your mindfulness and other CBT compassion focused therapy or act therapy principles come in beautifully there often and that's where I really integrate EMDR and IFS as well if, if things move need moving on at a kind of trauma level um, but when people can see that that I, I now recognize this pattern happens then they have real choices and flexibility to to have um, that map not repeat forever in the future because the the map's a really lovely kind of compass point as to what's happened in the past, what's repeating in the present, and what is likely to repeat in the future if you're unaware of it. It sounds like that reformulation stage is so important to that. As, as you say, it helps people see themselves as more than just a series of thoughts and behaviours. It helps them understand the hows and whys those have developed. And I wonder if it's also kind of helped them separate the person from the action. You know, as you say, when yes. you approach to think, oh, I'm curious about that. It, it, it's, so, it's, it's so less judge. It might feel to them, hopefully, at least that it's less judgmental when you 
kind of name that action. You know, we've talked about this and you've helped them understand that. Okay, yeah, I can understand why you might think like this or act like this. I'm so glad you've mentioned that, James, because that's such um, a reason why I'm so drawn to CAT is its non-judgmental um, stance. And actually, it's a very common feature of the map to have a corner of the map, which you call the observing eye. And you name the healthy reciprocal roles that are coming out of the experience of just being in therapy with a with a compassionate other, like what it's like to be in an understanding to understood position, or a listening to heard position, and the um, by taking the context of the situation, like no wonder in these moments you feel like that or you behave like that because that was your dominant experience growing up. It it does free up the client to feel um, at a very heartfelt level, this really wasn't my fault as, as, as I've held on to all of my life. This was me in a series of relationships that led to my understanding of who I am. If you've been told repeatedly by parents something, you internalize that. And we, we won't have a huge amount of other experiences to transform that understanding until we have other relationships that develop um, through teachers and family members and siblings into future partners and work colleagues and these relationships repeat everywhere so being able to understand often gives clients um, uh, that felt sense of hope and possibility and where cat I find has huge utility is not just in this one-to-one work which is can be such a, a, a lovely experience in and of itself to feel that deeply understood. But you can take the concept and these theories um, and apply them to teams, to systems, to organisations. And there are developments in CAT that have moved beyond one-to-one working to be able to take, say, a team that's working in mental health or a team that's working in a physical health setting and map out what's happening at both an organisational or a systemic level as well as what's happening with individuals and that is hugely containing and informative and very and much resonates with people in the team and so we can see how these repeating patterns happen not just at uh, a one-to-one level but relational understanding in general that CAT offers I feel is what a lot of mental health experiences are missing and we're getting caught in patterns of behaving as individuals and organizations or as therapists in their practices or with colleagues that are just not being spoken about and CAT gives you that language and tools to be able to name them and say how come that we are constantly frustrated in these situations what is what's the repeating situation here and then revisions and exits from those cycles are possible once they're named and acknowledged i think it's a true test of something that if it can uh, when it's scaled up it's still effective yes. um, so that's uh, it's really interesting to hear just come back to the amount that cat seems to cover in what can be, you know, this short-term therapy, if, if it was to be 16 sessions, um, you know, where it looks at the past, um, looks at relationships, looks at introducing techniques. Um, how does it manage to cover so much in that amount of time? It's a very good question. <laughs> and uh, one of 
cat's um, potential downfalls or weaknesses, I wonder, is sometimes it can feel very complicated. It can feel very jargony and there's a lot of concepts to get your head around. But actually in the room, it can feel quite straightforward if you are able to hone all of that understanding of the past influencing the present, the, the, the role of the the attachment process and the way that our parents treated us when we were younger and what we learned about ourselves and how we treat ourselves, you can capture that understanding in quite a few simple um, boxes and arrows or core words, core issues, because you're trying, all of us have one or two um, very much dominant patterns that are causing the biggest difficulties in life. So you are trying through the process of almost like an, an hourglass taking all of that information at the start to filter it down to some um, very focused tasks, which is easier said than done sometimes. But um, some of the greatest supervision advice I've ever had is the less time you have, the slower you go. And you can spend time in sessions really with either silence or um, digging deeper into a kind of a, an interaction that's happened between you to get a huge amount of understanding um, from just one or two experiences. And what um, seems to be very helpful about the way that the cat's developed is it gets to something incredibly truthful in human experiences in the human psyche through these tools. So when someone first walks into a room or the first few things that they say are actually a, a demonstration of some repeating pattern in their life and who they view you as in that moment that that will speak to their past experiences unbelievably enough that when you know what you're looking for, even this, the way that someone moves or holds themselves, the pace of their voice, where their intonation is, gives you a flavour of their repeating patterns from them, their early childhood, which is unbelievable. But um, in cat training, there's a number of ways that we were taught how to do this. and. Um, the, the best way to really get there is to slow things down. And Steve Potter has this lovely phrase of mapping the moment. So you could take one interaction in a therapy encounter, say when someone walks in and explains why they were late to the session or talks about an argument that they just had with their partner. And by breaking it down and mapping out exactly what happened in what order and how that person was left feeling when the person, when their partner said what they said or how me as the therapist hearing that experience reacts, by mapping all of that out, actually you get a huge amount of information about someone's past experiences. It's, it's quite incredible, but it is all in the room all of the time if you're able to make use of the transference and counter-transference in, in how that feels between you. Even a short period of time, it's like a snippet, it's a snippet that can represent uh, the problem wholeheartedly, just as much as if yes. you were to take a locket of my hair, the, it would contain <laughs> the DNA that makes me up. It's the, these, these, part, these parts have the building blocks of the whole within Yes, them. that's a lovely, lovely way to phrase it. And I can think of... Um, 
from we've talked before about the notice that podcast mm. but some of the language that you use about just following the breadcrumbs really trusting your instincts that if something feels difficult between us and the room right now let's talk about it because it's going to lead to something very very crucial in what what's needed for therapy sort of progress mm. and so I, I can think of an example just this week with a client when she was talking about an experience that um had happened and where she was perhaps not going to try and repeat that experience again and she was talking about it very factually and I I felt my stomach flip and there was a kind of anxiety there but also a deep sadness so so important as a cat therapist to use that information so I, I I said to her when we were um sort of reflecting upon it you know when you were talking like that I felt my in my stomach a deep sadness and that actually opened up a whole other conversation about what had happened in in previous experiences when she'd been say discussing an important relationship issue with her mother and feeling that that wasn't quite connected with so these are the moments where really being attuned understanding yourself as a therapist having your own therapy being very bodily aware um, are fantastic tools that cat can utilize a hundred percent and it's definitely something i use in my own practice and it can be so powerful yes um yes. although I, I, the question does pop into my mind about what about if if you're misinterpreting things or do you know you've got your own unconscious issues biases yes. Yes. you know what about that risk that comes with listening to your gut when your gut may be wrong <laughs> well is it ever wrong mm. that's the question i i absolutely hear what you're saying about over interpretation and i think that can be something that trainee cat therapists struggle with and you need to, to use a lot of supervision to under and your personal therapy experience and your cat training is crucial for that how do i know what's me and what's the client absolutely but what is beautiful about the tools and techniques in cat is by putting it out there on the map you're you're picking up on something like if you use your body as a thermometer to what's happening in the relational space the it's this core idea of intersubjectivity that um that it's not about me and you or what's happening internally between us it's about what's happening in the space between us so i'm bringing something to that and you are and it's a unique soup of 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 a moment so yes you have to be careful not to say because my stomach did a flip or i feel anxious that must mean that you're anxious or that the anxiety is part of this picture by by remaining curious and in this observing place you can go I wonder what's happening here and you're helping the client understand that they have an impact on you and you have an impact on them and that's life that's relationships it's not that you're thinking dysfunctionally and you need to change the way that you're thinking to relieve your depression as such it's that the influence that we have in these moments between us will influence the how your body and mind interprets those sort of signals from your body um, and what what conclusion you come to so you're all of the time inviting um curiosity self-awareness development um sort of uh, 
and and an, an ability to to name things that feel uncomfortable to name because if you can do that in a therapeutic encounter you're likely to be able to internalize that to other encounters and no relationship's perfect is it so if you're able to practice these things with your therapist and have transformative experiences of maybe your therapist not saying something controlling to you in that moment that you can then go back to your partner or your work colleagues or your children and have um, a different relationship experience with them and that's hugely hopeful for future change because you'll you the idea in CAT is you resolve the symptoms like the depression, the anxiety, the anger, the, 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 the impact of trauma through shifting your roles in relationships, not addressing the symptoms directly. And that was quite a, a paradigm shift, really, that mm. Ryle was able to offer. But it does make a lot of sense. And uh, that's a great answer, Mel. Um, you, we've touched upon earlier how you're also trained in EMDR and IFS, which if you want to listen to more about those, I think it was episode two is EMDR and episode four is IFS. Um, I'm wondering, what does CAT not address that these might? It's a good question. And I think there's always evolution and continued integration in psychotherapy. And I've, I've heard you say, James, before, either on other podcasts or in conversations that we've had about there seems to be different therapies coming at things, coming to the same conclusions, just with different language choices, really, or different concepts. But the, there's some, there must be something in it if multiple theorists and therapists are coming down to these core ideas. And having trained in EMDR and having started my training in, if, in IFS recently since as well, I now view some of the core cat ideas slightly differently, having had this um, other experiences. But um, I find that the the relational understanding that CAP brings, what is the, the context of the situation, the cultural influence that you're able to talk about as well, because um, everything influences those relationships, that that the frame and the structure of cats always having that eye on how it feels between us and the intersubjectivity and being able to name and talk about anything then f- makes the the ability to offer EMDR and IFS to me feel a lot safer because that therapeutic relationship has such a deep understanding there and you're you're never ignoring relationship relationship moments between you so if I'm offering EMDR for example and I pick up on something that's happening in my body or between us in the relationship from a cat perspective I'm going to prioritize that relationship moment above perhaps the the next stages of the EMDR because that to me is the safety and the trust in the frame that needs to be maintained in the relationship at all times but I got drawn to EMDR and IFS because CAT can come across as quite cognitive or language-based at times and although there is huge integration with body and a lot of work being done in integrating and understanding because you can talk about the relationship with your body and reciprocal roles happening at that somatic level too um but i did become frustrated in my sort of early experiences in delivering cats at how 
the experiences that we know now from uh, um, from IFS and EMDR and how trauma is held within the nervous system in the body, that talking about it only got you so far and there needed to be a, an ability to process some of that. And that's where I got drawn to um, these other approaches that seemed to me to be getting at something that Kat maybe took longer to get to or didn't get to as directly it felt that the transformation happened between the relationship whereas um, there's a certain amount of nervous system to nervous system interaction that's going on as well of course we're two embodied people in a room together but where I think Kat offers something really helpful that is absolutely convergent with EMDR and IFS is this integration idea. We are always looking at the right brain, left brain, right hemisphere, left hemisphere, um, the integration of the, how it really feels, but are then are the meaning making and the narrative that we have in relation to that. And Kat just comes at it from one angle in EMDR and IFS do from another in some ways, IFS might be the middle ground because I love this concept that I think I heard on the Notice That podcast as well about IFS being almost the personification of the nervous system. So using these different parts. But I can now hear when I go back to the cat theory that the different, um, the, for example, the unmanageable core feelings, the core pain that is often on the map that you talk about in your letter could now be understood as a um as an a wounded part that needs unburdening and the protector parts could be understood as the the procedure sequences the traps snags and dilemmas that are the perfectionism so it's all talking about the same thing isn't it with just a different language mm, yeah i do think the narrative and the personification of parts that ifs offers makes it uh yeah just people could get it again i was working with someone this week and when i described what they had experienced using an ifs framework um they were like that's it that makes yes. so much sense and um, which yeah i think it, it that's one of its strengths i think the, the final thing that cat possibly offers that maybe emdr and ifs don't emphasize quite as much is the importance of the ending and how so much disappointment or lack of hope or other times in life when relationships have ended and there's abandonment fears or upset and anger that can come when it's not spoken about, mm. that the cat actively addresses that and that is a core feature of what it offers too. That EMDR and IFS maybe not as explicitly talk about. That makes a lot of sense because I guess you do get that sense when you end sessions with someone you feel it in your stomach as well that you know there's something big here but maybe yes. it's not addressed as much as it would be yes. um, on the topic of endings uh, hell, uh <laughs> that is all we have time for today but uh, i really appreciate uh you, you giving up your time today and i think you did a, an excellent job of explaining to me and our listeners what cat is and what it offers so thank you very much for that you're very welcome, James. I'd recommend that everybody, um, if they've got time, looks at the www.acat.me.uk website, the ACAT website. They are offering um, a free copy of the reformulation journal at the moment as well. So there's a huge amount of resources there, the, the evidence base, how to contact a cat therapist through that organization and it's uh, now all around the world too so it's a real growing therapy that I would highly recommend people look into for long-term change but thank you so much it's been great to talk to you